Pretty cool. Well, it's exciting to be together, and I'm excited about this message today. I really believe that God wants to speak to us. I want you just for a minute, Natalie always teases me because I always ask people to put their hand on their heart. I think it's because I was used to saying the Pledge of Allegiance as a kid in school, but seriously, I'd like to do something that just says I'm I'm getting into my heart, but I want to pray for us this morning and just ask God to let the word just sink in. I really felt um, with uh, Riley's word just that I feel like almost like God is inviting us to his living room today, if he has one, which I think he must. Um, And just, he wants to talk to us. He wants to interact with us this morning and just kind of put some peace in our heart. Um, He's, like the word said, he has everything together concerning your life. Sometimes we just need to hear that right up and that we can be at peace. So let's just receive that. Lord, today we are excited to be in your house. We are excited to hear your word. And Lord, today we just thank you that we're, we're just sitting in your living room. You have things you want to share with us because you love us, because you... You care about our life. You care how we spend our days, and you want us to have a good, a good journey here. So I just pray that you're going to let our hearts be open to hear your word, to receive those things that you have for us. Lord, I just pray just a spirit of peace uh, that you're bringing today in our hearts, God, just a peace that passes understanding, that you know everything that concerns us, and you are with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you know our family, you know that we, we spend a holiday that many of you maybe have not yet begun to enjoy, which is Groundhog Day. How many fellow Groundhog Day celebrators do I have? Two or th- my family and Buddy. All right, awesome. Well, we have celebrated this holiday for most of the years. We haven't been as good the last couple years as the kids have kind of spread out, but we had some great celebrations while the kids were growing up and kind of started out with things like ice cream sundaes. And, and it, uh, I think one of our most memorable, well, at least for me, was rent, we rented a limo and had the limo surprise the kids and pick us up at the house and take us to what was then kind of like in and out hot and now, if any of you remember when hot and now was here, through the drive-thru, and the limo got stuck in the drive-thru lane and had to back out. And it was just, it was like an adventure. It was so cool. And we would do things like that. But part of the celebration, which now usually includes caramel corn, because Gino likes caramel corn, um, is that we have to watch Groundhog Day. So we have watched the movie over, kind of like the Groundhog Day movie, the day they experience it over and over. Well, we experience the movie over and over. So we have parts of it memorized. If you come up to us, we can give you our favorite lines. But one scene that I always enjoy is the bachelor auction. How many of you, if you've seen the movie, remember that Phil um, has spent just the time uh, spending the day over and over. And initially, he just kind of gets angry and just, you know, kind of suicidal and, and mental and is doing horrible things. But then he decides, well, if I'm going to have to spend this day over and over, I better spend it wisely. And so he kind of spends the time doing good deeds and, um, and causing this girl to kind of fall in love with him. And so he comes to this bachelor auction. And by this time, the city just, they just love, they love Phil. And he comes up, they say, push him up. We want to have him. And they're, they're bidding on him, $20, $20, $30, $50. And pretty soon, here comes the girl that he has given his... He wants to love him, and she pulls out her checkbook, and she reads, it's like $398.22. She is emptying her checkbook for him because of the value that she put on him. And then another kind of funny guy comes up, and he gets two bits, which is like 50 cents, I think it is, or 25 cents. But Phil had great value. And, you know, I was thinking about that scene 
But that's kind of how God is about us. He sees us and he looks at us. And you know what he sees? He sees people of an estimable value. He loved us so much that he basically emptied his checkbook. He gave his son to die on the cross for us, to pay for our sins, to buy us, to do what? To buy us into freedom. I want to read a couple of scriptures that speak of this um, from 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, we can pop it up there, for God bought you. Everybody say, God bought me with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. God bought us with a high price. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23. This is out of the message uh, translation. All of you, Slave and free both were once held hostage in a sinful society. How many can say, yep, that was me. Then a huge sum was paid for your ransom. So please don't, out of old habits, slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you. You and I have been bought. We are owned. And you know, as I was kind of praying about this message, we're in the Simplify series. We're talking about simplifying our life. And Pastor Steve and I have talked about this over the years, that when we meet a lot of people, uh, especially some that come in the church kind of new or maybe they aren't, you know, haven't gotten saved yet, or they're just, their lives are very complicated. There's lots of drama. And we noted that in our life as the more that we walked with God, that the less, you know, didn't mean everything was easy, but the less drama that we had, the less crisis, our life wasn't crisis to crisis, drama to drama, but it was, it moved and there was, there was grace and there was blessing in our life. And we thought about that. And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, this phrase came to me, and I want you to read it with me. It says this, that when you know you were owned of God, being owned of God, can you pop that line up there? Being owned by God simplifies my life. Being owned by God simplifies my life. It simplifies your life. When I understand that God loves me, that he values me, that he gave his son for me, he emptied his checkbook for me to purchase for me a good and wonderful life, a life that is not complicated, a life that is not full of peril and tragedy that's not full of all kinds of rough things, but literally a life that is beautiful and simple. You know, I I mentioned at the beginning as we were praying that Riley's word, and I was thinking about the verse that Pastor Natalie shared a few weeks ago to open the series. When Jesus spoke and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, that's God's will for us. And just as we were in the worship time, I just felt the Holy Spirit just wanting to let you know, kind of like I said, bringing you into his living room. He has a plan for you. And his plan for your life is to make your life something peaceful and something exciting and something that is simple and something that is not complicated. And when we know that, When we know that God not only purchased us, but he owns us, there's a response that that God really asks of us. And I want to read, I'm going to read from two different um, translations of Romans 12. But if you can go to the screen with me, let's read it. First in, I believe, the the NLT, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Here's that, because of all he has done for you. Let them be living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. 
keep going. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's awesome. Let's read it now from the message. It says it really clearly. Verses 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday life, your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you, and I love this next word, and quickly, everybody say quickly, quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you. He develops in you a well-formed maturity. That is awesome. You know, when we know that God has purchased us, that he owns us, there's a response that he begins to ask from us that does what? It brings our life to a place of choice where we either live a simple, surrendered life or we stay in that kind of complicated mess of, of just all the decisions and all the choices that hit us. Look with me at some definitions. There's a definition for simple. I like this. Composed of a single element, not compound. I love this. Easily understood or done, presenting no difficulty. That is simple. It says in the synonyms, it's uncomplicated, it's simple, it's easy, it's effortless, painless. I'm not certain that that's true, but we'll put that there. Undemanding, plain sailing, and I love this last thing, child's play. The life that God invites us to, the simple life that he invites us to, reminds me of the verse where he tells us that if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to become like a little child. Have you ever watched, children aren't, they don't have, they don't worry. You know, I remember when my kids, they didn't understand that you had to have money in the checking account in order to write checks. Their answer to everything was write a check. That was before debit cards, right? Because kids live very, hopefully, and sometimes they don't, but they're meant to live very uncomplicated life, simple where they trust, and life for them is, is a journey where they believe that they're going to be taken care of. Look at the definition of complicated. <clears throat> Make something difficult or confusing by causing it to be complex. It's very interesting because you're making something more difficult when it's complicated. It might be actually something that's rather simple, but you somehow make it difficult and complicated and complex and confusing. Look at these synonyms. Complex, intricate, involved, convoluted, tangled, impenetrable, I like these naughty, tricky, thorny, labyrinthine. That's a great word. Like, it reminds me of those, um, what do they call them, those mazes that they used to have in the gardens, usually in England and so forth, where they were like a maze that you had to try to find your way out of. It was like a labyrinthine. It was all twisted. This one, torturous. That's the life that so many people live. They live a complicated life. <clears throat> I was mentioning in the first service that song, something about um, you don't have to be so complicated. And I think sometimes, how many would say sometimes your life gets complicated? 
And you know what's funny? It'd be one thing if our life just sort of came at us complicated, but I really think, honestly, sometimes we're the ones that make it complicated. We overthink. We, we get worried. We have all these cares. And, you know, there's just a lot of reasons we do this. And, um, but one of the reasons, and as I've been kind of praying about this, I, I, I really realize that sometimes when I look at my life, I, I leave the place of knowing that God purchased me and that he owns me. And I kind of go back into the place where I begin to think that I own my own life. I want to show you a couple of slides. When I was young, there was a track that we used to read called the Four Spiritual Laws. And that's what we would use. Some of you don't even know what a tract is. It was like a written paper that you would give out to help people find Jesus. People would leave them all over the place. And this one was one of the more famous ones, the Four Spiritual Laws. And this kind of became a famous picture, this one and the next one I'm going to show you. Because it would show on this chair representing a throne. This represented the throne of your life. And that S represents the self-life. The self-directed life. You and I sitting on the throne of our life. It says here the self-directed life. Self is on the throne. The result is discord and frustration. God and Christ, look where the cross is. They're separate from us. That cross is outside of your circle of life. And that, that unfortunately, it was happening. You know, it's easy to say, well, before I was a Christian, I was on the throne of my life. And that would be, and that's probably true. But how many times, because we forget that God owns us, we begin to put ourselves right back on that throne. Look at the next picture. This is the life we're supposed to be living, the Christ-directed life, Christ on the throne. Our self is yielding to Christ. We're in that circle. We haven't lost all control, but we've given the reins. We've given the, the, the big choice to God. Our interests are directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. As I was preparing for this message, I, I, I thought about this last year of my life. And, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. I was four years old when I became a Christian. Um, I, I loved God. You know, we sing that song, Jesus, we love you. I loved God really from the time I was a young child. And I tried to surrender my life and I tried to live this Christ-directed life. But, you know, I recognize that especially, I looked in the last year or so, and I've been doing a lot of self kind of introspection. There's a phrase that says the unexamined life is not worth living. And I, I began to just look at my life and I recognized something about myself that before I knew it, I had allowed self to get back on the throne in a lot of areas. Now, most people would not have seen them. They weren't like so outwardly visible because I've been a Christian a long time. You know, some of the disciplines of being in God's house and reading my Bible and praying, those were pretty secure. But I, what I, where I noticed it was that when God would ask certain things of me, my answer was not a quick yes. In fact, it might not even be a yes at all. It was more like, and, and I found that my prayers were more full of worrying about me, myself, and I, and less about the people that he'd called me to reach and love. And I just noticed that I began to sense just a deep selfishness in myself that I, and you know, it kind of comes on you, kind of creeps on you. Uh, I was thinking about in Revelations where God talks, Jesus speaks to the church of Ephesus, and he talks about all their good works and all the great things they did. <clears throat> and then he says, but I have this one thing I have this one issue with you. Remember, we're in the living room with God, and I've been in the living room with God this year, and I said, I have this one issue with you is that you've left your first love. You know, first love, I, and I, I kind of stumbled over my words in the first service. I love my husband, okay? Present, not past. I love him. 
But you know, when we first got married, I didn't think anything of, I always, when we were at a buffet or we were somewhere for dinner, I would always fill his plate and bring it to him with great joy. Never even thought of asking him to do it himself. It wasn't because he asked me, he didn't. But it was something I just did with joy. And there was just thing after thing. And I recognized sometimes even in my marriage, I remember the other, it was actually, I wish it was like a year ago, but it was actually a few weeks ago. There was a dinner and I'd filled up his plate once and then he kind of gave me that sly grin, like, could you fill it up again? And I remember just thinking, why don't you fill it yourself? And, or why don't you fill mine? And I, and I realized, and I'm not saying that's totally horrible, but what I recognized is sometimes I would never have done that. You know, first love, oh, anything you want, dear. Oh, no, you know. And I know we, we settle into routines, but should we really settle into so much of a routine? You know, with God sometimes, I remember, you know, I remember altar calls when I was a first a brand new Christian and just, man, you got it all, God. You got my whole life. And, and as much as I had, he had that. But you know, as life gets, you get older, you get more things or you get more complicated more decisions to make, it's really easy to kind of start going, is that what you really meant? How about tomorrow? How about next week? How about maybe we negotiate on this? And guess what I noticed began happening to my life? It went from simple to complicated. Complicated in the way I thought, complicated. My relationships got more complicated. Things got complicated. And I began to say, God, I don't want to live a complicated life. And as I began to think about that and pray this last year, and, and even getting ready for this message on simplicity, I've really begun to go to God and just personally just do what? I've been, I've been trying to kind of evict the big S off the throne and try to put that Jesus back there and ask him, and I'm talking about tangible, natural things that God asks us to do. It's really easy to do the, you've got it all, Lord. But then when he asks something of you, go talk to that person. Let that person move in your house. You know, um, work in, I mean, there's thing after thing after thing. Do something that pushes you out of your comfort zone. That's where it begins to get hard. And we have decisions to make. And one of the things, in just a minute, we're going to be looking at a, a, a short clip. But one of the things that happens in order to have a simple life and not a complicated life is that God, even though he's on the throne, he gives you and I a real power of choice to make decisions with our life. He gives us this beautiful life. He hands us this life that he's purchased for us, free from sin and free from the worries and cares and all the things that, that, that go with it. He gives us a simple life and asks us then to let him be in charge and to help him help, you know, help us spend our life. But we have the ability to make that choice. We're going to watch a short video right now and actually just a little um, Teaser Wednesday, I'm going to be unpacking this a little bit more in a practical way um, to kind of help you actually know what this video is a little bit about. But I want to watch this, and then we're going to talk about it. This is about the jar of your life. Uh, the, mu the music is a little crazy, but it's all right. You can kind of thump along to it. Here we go.
How many of you sometimes feel like that's your life? Except you've been trying to fit all these other things in. And then the things that you really matter to you, the really big, important things, your family, your relationship with God, really knowing who you, who you are, what you're called to be, they kind of get left by the wayside. And all the crazy, complicated little parts of life take away the space that was really meant for God, that was really meant for those God ideas and things that God has for you. Let me just tell you this. This is a spiritual thing because it's very spiritual to put God on the throne of your life. But it's an incredibly natural thing too. Because see, where God wants to live, and that's why I felt he said he wants us to be in, in our living room today. God wants to get into where you actually live. He doesn't want to just be, um, you know, he doesn't want to just be at church maybe on Wednesday, maybe at your connect group. He doesn't want to even just be in your devotions. He wants to be on the throne of your life, like that verse said in the everyday, going to work, going to school, how you treat people, how you spend your life, part of your life. He wants to be there. He wants to interact with you. He wants to help you make decisions. And his goal for you is that your life would not be complicated and labyrinthine and tortuous, but that it would be simple. It would be like child's play. It would be full of joy. It would be full of peace. It would be full of joy. And you know, sometimes what you have to do, and, and that's really what I've been doing this year, again, even though sometimes you think, I've got this pretty good. The jar in my life's pretty good. And even though, well, the jar might be lifting a little bit, and there are a few rocks over, over there, but it's okay. After a while, you realize it's not okay. And I know personally what I've been doing is I've been really, and I, I've been getting on my knees before God. I've been taking the time. Because for me, when I'm spending my time with God on a regular basis, it's not, it is a spiritual time, but it's also a very natural thing because it's about the nitty-gritty of where I live, how I spend my life, how I spend my hours, how I spend my days. Don't you think it's quite unusual that every person on earth has the same amount of time? You all have the same amount of time in life to spend. Some people just seem to spend their life a whole lot better. You know why? They lay it out. Here's the jar. And if I could make the jar more beautiful, that was just a kind of a canning jar. But when God looks at our life, he sees this beautiful vessel that he's created that is beautiful, that he wants it to be just like not, not wood, hay, and stubble that will burn up, but literally precious stones and he puts the things of our life, the big rocks, those things that are crucial, those, those everyday tasks, our jobs, our taking care of our kids, our grocery shopping, and then all the other stuff. And when we give it to him and we pray and we ask him to simplify our life and we put him where he belongs, which is as the owner-operator, and we're his steward, he begins to show us that's a big rock. You know, sometimes in different seasons of life, different rocks are bigger. When, I was a, when my kids were younger and I was a homeschool mom, that was a huge rock that had, to, that had to take place. So it took a lot of room in my life. And there were other things that didn't get to fit in there. As I've gone in different seasons, there's different big, big rocks, but they, they fit in there. And I began to put those things first. And then the other tasks. And then all the other stuff that originally seemed so important kind of fills, fills in, but it does it in a way that's not complicated. It's simple. And you might think as I'm talking to you, that seems impossible. It is impossible. 
if you stay on the, if you stay on the throne and I stay on the throne. And I try to keep figuring out, I'm going to figure this out or I'm going to get my life together and then I'm going to give it to God. No, we have to give our, we come to God because remember he bought us. He paid for us. He emptied his checkbook for us. He bought us. He owns us. And when I recognize that, when I embrace that, when I own that, what happens? There's a simplicity that begins to come in my life because the one word that he wants to hear is what? Yes. I will. I surrender. You got it. And I'm being completely honest with you that I found, as I searched this year, so many places where it was, sometimes I was just flat out saying no, but mostly I was just going later. Some other time, somebody else. I don't have time. How am I going to fit that in? I don't want to do that. that. That upsets me. That hurts. And everything was about me, me, me. And I, was, and I was leaving the beauty of what happens when you surrender your life to God. Because what happens, there's a grace. Do you know what grace is? It's God's riches. Remember, he purchased you at Christ's expense. The bank account that he used to pay and pay for your sins is still full. Not to just pay for the life to keep you, to get you to heaven, but there's all the resources that you and I need to make this journey incredibly successful and get to the end of it, not just making heaven by the skin of our teeth, but making heaven with an incredible legacy because you fulfilled what God put you on this earth to do. You've met and, and, and interacted with the people that God asked you to do that for. You know, today in our growth track, if you haven't started yet, this is a great day to start. This is step three. And today's the day where you discover your gifts. You take some tests and figure out, who am I? What did God put me on this earth for? What am I good at? What am I gifted at? Because see, God, God wants to spend you. God wants to spend you because he owns you, but he wants to spend you in a way that I can promise you gives you so much joy, so much joy, so much peace. It's not painless, I will say that. And it's not always easy, but it's simple because it's the simplicity of the surrendered life. I want to close reading a scripture and I've always loved this scripture. This scripture has always resonated in my heart. And this was God's word through Moses to the children of Israel when they were getting ready to go in the land. And they had some choices to make. And it's from Deuteronomy chapter, uh, let's see where the, it's Deuteronomy chapter 30. And I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it from ESV. And then I'm going to read it from uh, the message translation. But I want you to put yourself in this. You're sitting in this living room with God, and God is not speaking these words just to the children of Israel. I believe God is speaking these words to us today. And he's asking us to make a decision, to make a choice with our life. For this commandment I command you today, it's not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you would say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart so that you can do it. See, I've set before you today, put your name there, life and good, death and evil. I would add simple or complicated. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, I command you today by loving the Lord your God 
by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and statues and rules, you will live and you will multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you're entering in. There's a land in front of you that God wants to give you to take possession of. But if your heart turns away and you won't hear, but you're drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, you'll surely perish. You won't live long in the land you're going over the Jordan to enter in and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. I want to read it to you again in the message. This commandment I'm commanding you today, it isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not high on a mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it to you before you can live it. It's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it and bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. No. And hear this. The word is right here and it's right now. It's as near as the tongue is in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest. Just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good and death and evil. And I command you, love God, your God. Walk in his ways. Keep his commandments and regulations and rules so that you'll live, really live. Live exuberantly, blessed by God, your God, in the land you're about to enter and possess. But I warn you, if you have a change of heart and you refuse to listen obediently and willfully go off to serve and worship other gods, you will most certainly die. You won't last long in the land you're crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. Choose yes. Choose the Christ-centered life so that you, and I love this, your children will live. See, it's never just about us. It's always about our children, the natural and spiritual offspring that God has for us. Love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. Oh, yes, he is life itself, a, life, a long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you stand with me? God is here today. He's not mad at you. He's not angry. He's not shaking his finger at you. He's inviting you into a simple life. He's inviting you to leave the complications of doing life your own way. And he's inviting you to say, I'm laying that aside. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to live the simple life, the life of yes. You know, I can honestly tell you that in these last few specifically weeks and months as I've been really praying and doing some work in my own life. You know what's coming back? My joy, my peace, my sense of, woo, we can do this. And, you know, they prophesied over Pastor Stephen and I that we're getting our youth back. I'm feeling it. But I'm not feeling it because I just took a cool pill. And, you know, I'm getting it because I'm saying yes. Because I emptied out that jar of my life and I said, God, you bought it, you own it. And so you know best how to fill it. You know best how, to me, how for me to spend it. And so here they are. Here's the big rocks. Here's the medium rocks. Here's the stuff of my life. Help me to assemble it in that right way. Can you lift your hands with me? God wants to help us. 
He's here for you. If you, you know, I, I think it's, I don't know if it's all of us. I made you all raise your hands. You can put it down if you want to. But I think, I, I think we're all saying, God, I want to live the life that you created me to live. Lord, right now, as we just, we just open our hearts to you, God, we're going to sing in a minute. We're going to just remind you of the surrender. God, I pray that every person in this room, you're going to be knocking on their door. You're going to be crashing their thoughts. You're going to be interjecting yourself in their devotions, their, their, their dreams, and just reminding them that you have a life for them that's beyond compare. You have set life before them and blessing, and there's so much that's beautiful in this simple life where we just say yes where we live a surrendered life, where you're on the throne. And then we can take the, the beauty of the life that you've given us and begin to put it together in a way that leaves a legacy, in a way that leaves honor and blesses you. That's simple. Lord, I just pray that you're going to speak. God, I can't go into every person's personal world, and I, I wouldn't want to. It's not my place. But you can, and you do. And I ask you, God, can you just say with me, if you want to give, just say, God, I give you permission to talk to me, to help me, to simplify, to arrange the things in my life with the understanding that you bought me, that you see great value in me, that you own me, but that you give me a choice. Help me to choose life. Help me to say yes. Thank you, God. Right now, we just ask you to do that in our hearts, God.